was a really windy day and, you know, it was, I capsized several times. And, you know, my dad was always like, it doesn't matter the condition of the ocean. It's like, I know how to sail. So I know how to navigate these waters. So, you know, having that basic technology or that basic, you know, fundamental in yourself, if you know how to do something, then it doesn't matter what the environment's like, you're going to figure out a way to navigate that water. Welcome to the Get Wired Podcast, presented by CED Vero Beach. Join us as we make new connections, share our outlooks on business as well as life, and provide a new look at the wholesale electrical supply industry from the inside out. This is the Get Wired Podcast. Here's your host, Mike Burkhardt. Let's just jump right in. Okay, so welcome, Dan. We're back to the podcast. It's been uh, about five months, and uh, on this podcast in particular, I'm recording it from home. So if you hear any cat noises in the background, I apologize. Uh, <laughs> one of the uh, the many things that everyone's dealing with, it seems so far, like as, as far as news interviews, and uh, it's not my usual studio setup. So thanks for bearing with me on that. Um, wearing my new my new CED essential shirt just got them yesterday oh nice i'll have to put that on the program somehow so um we, yeah we decided to do a shirt run just to commemorate this so years later we can look back and think like what a crazy time to be alive in 2020 um in the electrical electrical supply world um well, welcome to the program i hope i'm really happy that uh we're able to do this and i really appreciate you getting up so early to come in and, and hit the studio at five o'clock in the morning california time no problem Enjoy it. Uh, so we we spoke um, September sixteenth. It was five months ago, and uh, the episode was wow. called Yeah, the episode was called "In Case of Emergency, Break Glass," or "In Case of Recession, Break Glass." I'm sorry. So um, here we are, five months later. <laughs> Uh, it's not technically a recession quite yet, just because of the simple definition that a recession is uh, two quarters of uh, lowering GDP, and uh, we haven't hit one quarter yet. So I think uh, it's pretty much apparent to everyone, though, that uh, the, that's what's coming, and uh, I just wanted to get back on the phone with you and talk to you about it and see kind of what your perspective is and how you're dealing with things out in the West Coast. Yeah, it's interesting because... I don't think we were thinking this would be what we would be doing in five months and planning for, you know, operating our businesses around. But um, yeah, one of those things where I guess in today's world, you never really know what's going to hit you. So, um, you know, out here on the West Coast, it's, it's different from pocket to pocket. So Santa Barbara, um, you know, it's been, been, I would say the construction industry here is probably off a good 50, 60 percent. Um, you know, most of our business, like we've talked about in the past, is high in residential um, and so a lot of these projects are on hold because people just don't want, you know, other people in their houses at the moment. Yeah. So, and, um, even some of the, some of the larger commercial projects we might be involved with have been put on hold because I think investors and, you know, the people with capital don't want to start, start something, not knowing when it's going to get finished. So I think we're kind of in a holding pattern for a lot of stuff and, uh, it makes it interesting and, you know, it's like. You know, you want to plan for something better than what's happened today, but this is what we have. This is what we have to work with. You know, I got dealt two twos and a jack, and so uh, my, my poker hand's pretty bad at the moment. Yeah, uh, especially in California because you guys have a whole, you know, slew of regulations, and you've always been a little more regulatory than most other states. Um, a lot of them for the better, and a lot of them the country ends up adapting anyways, uh, and especially with in terms of, like, energy and, and policies like that. Um but what are what have been some of the policies that are coming from your government, uh, whether it's county or state, that that you guys are seeing that is particularly affecting just California? I think um, the biggest the biggest thing was the San Francisco Bay Area. You know, I think it was the beginning of April, but it literally shut down all construction, unless it was you know literally a hospital or a COVID nineteen you know facility that they were trying to build. But all construction was considered non essential. So, I mean, we, you know, we're talking about offices that had 80, 90 people down to 10, you know, um, in Santa Barbara, construction still was essential. And so a lot of projects were still going on. We're still doing some projects, um, which is nice, but, you know, people are building decks, people are building fences, you know, doing construction projects, um, whereas other parts of California, um, you know, they're not doing any type of construction whatsoever. 
So I think we are kind of in the middle of that. Um, San Diego, I understand, is booming. They have more work that I know what to do with. Um, I understand you guys are doing pretty well at the moment, too, in regards to this. So it's not even a statewide thing. It's more of a county or even a city, you know, wide thing. This is what's happening with this in different states, I think. So um, I, we'll have to see how it goes farther. But I think we're going to start seeing some relaxation on this probably mid to late May in our county what our county is planning. They had a meeting last night and they're kind of like, you know, middle of May to end of May, they can start relaxing some of these things and get people back into more of a, you know, working life with still some, you know, obviously restrictions. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely interesting. I, I'm sure you've been to Home Depot or Lowe's or whatever your local hardware store is over there. And it's just, I went there on a Saturday and it was just a mob. I've never seen it so busy before. And it's like, if you can go there, you can certainly go to the grocery store. You can go to... Um, you know, any any place that's deemed essential, and and there, therefore, like, why can't you go to an electrical supply? Like, the the problem is people congregating together within a certain distance, and you know, touching th- certain things. I don't think anybody touches more things than at the grocery store and at a hardware store. <laughs> like, people just, and I'm guilty of it too. You look, you pick it up, you look at it, you say, oh, that's not the right one, or that's that's three quarter. I need half inch for this hose connector or whatever it is, some project you're doing, and you put it back. And you move on to the next thing, and the still guy right behind you does the same thing. Um, I had a project I was thinking about doing, and I, I drove by our local Home Depot and saw the line and said, "Nope, scratch it. I'll do a different project." So I literally <laughs> haven't been to a hardware store. I mean, I've been to my to the office, I've been to the grocery store, um, and then I've been home. Those wow. are the, the three locations I go. Um, and I, you know, I've, I've I've got you know some parents that are in that stage that are older, so I do shopping for them. So I'm at the grocery store. I try to make it twice a week. Um, I can get fresh veggies, but that's basically my life is a circle of home office and grocery store. So <laughs> and any project I'm trying to do at the house, I pretty much have what I need. And just, you know, it's a lot of cleaning right now. It's a lot of like, oh, I can clean that area, you yeah. know, and spend four hours, five hours, you know, getting a deep clean in. So, um, <laughs> and yeah, that's kind of my life at the moment. So, you know, and it's better than some other people's lives who just seem to be not even wanting to or needing to or can get out of the house. Yes, so. I, I agree. It's it's um, one of the things that you and I spoke about and, and what we want to talk about today is just uh, just finding ways, especially now more than ever, to practice gratitude. And like it's it's a practice that I have on a regular basis. It's one of the reasons that um, that I think that I keep finding things to be grateful for is I'm constantly on the lookout for things to be grateful for, even when times are going really well. And especially when times are, are starting to turn or slow down or when life just gets weird, it's more important to just sit there and think of like, what are the good things that happened today? Yes, I was able to get up. First of all, like I have mobility. I have my health. I have, um, you know, I turned over and saw my wife and, and you know, in your case, your family. It's another amazing thing to be grateful for. You you have the ability to get in a car and drive in America. Like that's huge. Like all these little things that every day you take for granted. Um, and to go to a grocery store and buy fresh fruits and vegetables and maybe find toilet paper. Like what an amazing thing to be able to like luxury that a lot of the country doesn't even have or little tiny things like turning your shower on and water coming out of it. Like to, to realize how amazing that is and how a hundred years ago that was like non-existent. Um, it's 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 now is the most important time in human history and, and certainly in our our existence to to on this planet to be practicing gratitude in my opinion yeah i think it's something that you know i think everybody tries to hopefully practices in one way or another it just depends on how it looks to you for me it's like you said being able to get up in the morning and do what i want to do for the most part um you know so i still go for a drive once a week in my my car and take my wife out that's my our little break we go eight we call it a to a drive you know, we just do the loop, you know, spend about an hour and a half in the car. And sometimes we talk and sometimes we just have the top down and just enjoy the drive. And um, that's kind of our saving grace for her is to because she's at home with the kids all day. And our kids are older, but it's one of those things where, you know, there's a lot of there's not a lot of interaction during the day because the two all kids are in school to some degree right now. They're trying to do their online learning. So they're locked in their rooms trying to do their online learning. And so my wife's, you know, trying to do some work and she's walking around going, no one's interacting with me. So when I come home, it's like this instant, like, <laughs> you're home, talk to me. Yeah. yeah. Well, what, so, are, what are some things that you, you guys are doing? I know we've spoken about it, but just uh, if you feel like sharing with the audience, things that you think are important that families do or um, rituals that you've, you've taken up that uh, kind of relieve some stress, but also create that bond um, in, in stressful situations. 
Uh, recent, I mean, more so, I mean, I like to cook, so uh, I tend to make most of the meals. And during this time, I think I've made every meal except for one. <laughs> so a couple of weeks ago, my wife was like, you, we got to get the kids cooking. So once a week, each kid, I have three kids. So three nights out of the week, each kid gets to create a meal. So they, you know, they'll go into a cookbook, they'll find a recipe, they'll find something they want to make or eat. And so that's up to them. I'll go do grocery shopping, but it's up to them to do the cooking. So um, my my daughter wanted chicken and waffles because, you know, last year she went to Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles in L.A. And she thought it was the best thing ever. So she <laughs> wanted to make chicken and waffles. We found a recipe. You know, we dug into it. We did some research. We found a good recipe. And um, we had most of the stuff that we needed, but we had to do a little grocery shopping. And um, we sat and I watched her and helped her prep stuff. And she made chicken and waffles one night. And it was actually really, really good. Um, Nothing wrong with chicken and waffles. Yeah, can't go wrong with chicken and waffles, right? So, um, yeah, it's it's fun. You know, I get to spend that time with them and teach them some life skills. It's amazing that, you know, at 22, my my oldest son, who's 22, um, his knife skills are still not where they need to be. (laughs) It's (laughs) like, this is how we chop, you know? So I I love it. I love just being able to be in the kitchen or in the backyard barbecuing and, and showing them, you know, basic skills and techniques for when they are out on their own, they can obviously go to a grocery store and pick up some simple items and actually make something more than what the ingredients are. So. It's definitely become a lost art, and uh, it, it's 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 evident in the culture that we live in that people would rather go buy a ready-made meal and they just put it in the oven uh, and it's ready in half an hour or whatever versus buying the ingredients that, you know, they're doing the same thing in the back. They're buying the onions and the, the parsley or whatever, and they're chopping it all up and putting it into this dish and mixing it up. It's... It's really not that complicated, and you can find ways to eat really healthy and, um, you know, quite frankly, more affordably than than buying pre-made things because you're paying for the labor that goes into it up front. Um, But it's also like being in the moment and being intentional about what you're eating and like sharing that bond of doing it with somebody else. And, um, you know, it's it's a skill, and yet it's, it's also very grounding at the same time, I think, especially in these times. It's a good way to work. It's relaxing for me. Yeah. Cooking is very relaxing for me. It, it takes my mind to another place. And um, my youngest son, we did, uh, he wanted to make meatballs. So we found a recipe. We did meatballs. They were extremely tasty. But his his thing with me is like, you, I make a lot of things and they seem to be very similar, but I never make the same thing twice, especially yeah. sauces. Because I don't really measure a lot. I'm not a, I'm not a cook that measures. I just kind of eyeball things. Yes. So, you know, it's always like, well, this tastes really, really good, but it doesn't quite taste like the last time you made it, but it's still really, really good. You know, so it's like, well, different ingredients, different ways of preparing things. And, you know, so I, I don't write things down. And, my, you know, my wife always argues that you should write it down so that next time you make it, it's going to taste exactly like this. Because this was great. <laughs> yeah, but it's the same philosophy as, you know, a man can't step foot in the same river twice because he's not the same man and it's not the same river. You know what I mean? Like, it shouldn't be the same food every single time. It's It's got to exactly. evolve with, with who you are as a person growing and changing. Um, and it, I do the same thing. It's like... I just take whatever's in the fridge that needs to be eaten today and throw it in a frying pan and mix it up. And then like whatever yeah. sauce is available, I throw it on top of there and just, there's no, <laughs> there's no measuring. There's no pinch of this, pinch of that. Just like, oh, whatever. Like, it's going to be fine. It all comes out in the wash. Um, so I, I appreciate that. Like, it's definitely, uh, some people can handle it and some people can't. Right. <laughs> I think, you know, for us, with older kids, um, it, it, we've had some really good conversations. We're lucky in Santa Barbara; the weather's nice. We can sit outside, so we're not trapped inside our house. So having having that outdoors available to us is nice to be able to just sit outside and have some really good conversations. You know, my my oldest son's graduating Long Beach this month, basically. Wow. Um, it's kind of sad for us because we don't get to see him walk. Um, you know, but you know he's going to graduate and start his master's program in September. So we've had some really good conversations about what he feels his future is going to be like and, you know, having conversations with our two other two, which is great, you know, so it allows more time for that. It's almost like they're forced to talk to you to some degree. So when I get home in the evening, there's always this hour, hour and a half stint of cooking and talking, you know, so. That's really important. One of the things I wrote down is to double down on positive habits uh, during this time uh, because, I think that we all have we all strive to have like really positive habits and healthy habits and things like that. But everybody always assumes that, you know, once I have the time, I'll get there. And what we're finding out now is a lot of people who have been saying that for the last five, six, seven, ten years, their entire lives, 
still aren't doing the things that they know could lead them to a more positive and, and beneficial you know, outcomes in their life. And so it's really not about the time. It's about they never actually wanted to do those things bad enough because if you wanted to do them, you'd have been doing small parts of it throughout the entire time. And now you have all of this time and it's time to really double down on positive habits or create them to begin with if you don't have them. Um, yeah, and that's, that's a mind. It's a mind shift. And, you know, I think it's one of those things where, yeah, I mean, there's plenty of time to log them home and you, you just have that feeling of depression. It's just like this just sucks, you know. And, and so I think for me, it's healthy for me to live in that moment when that moment's there. But knowing that, you know, I'm going to you know wake up the next morning, whatever, you know, figure out something to be positive about. But yeah. I think not addressing the fact that, yeah, this situation sucks. It's just <laughs> it's just not where we want to be right now is okay, you know, versus saying, well, look at all the, you know, there's all these great things, but I think sometimes you get that over positive person who's like, but look at all the time you have now, look at everything you get to do. It's like, yeah, but this just sucks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's okay to say it, you know, admit it for a little bit and then, yeah, then we can do those other things. So yeah, I, I think, you know, it just depends on where you are in your mindset. So I try to have a little bit of both. I try to recognize the fact that, you know, where we're living in right now, the times, we have it great in Santa Barbara. Yeah, the business is not booming, but I'm still alive. I got kids. But on the same note, it's like I would rather, I'd rather business be booming. You know, it just that's just one thing I'd like to see. So we have to get back there somehow. And we will, we will. I mean, yeah. I went back and listened to our episode. I was listening to it this morning while I was working out, and uh, you know, one of the things we talked about was like, like the reason that we we did that episode when everything was going great, like September, 2019, I even said it in the podcast was like the best time ever in America, like fiscally and all that stuff, like economically, everything was just going great. Stocks are booming, the economy is roaring. And yet here we were recording a podcast about like what happens when it slows down. And the right. reason we were doing that is because if you're going to do this long enough, this thing called business and life, you're going to experience these periods where, uh, things do slow down and it should happen every, we said eight to 10 years or so. Um, here we are in the 12th year of the bull market. Um, and it's finally, it's, it's going the other direction. It's going much faster. I think than anybody ever expected. Um, but, uh, so there, there's Sophie, uh, but, but, uh, <laughs> she wanted to make an appearance. They, uh, you know, this is going to happen to me if I have 30 more years in this, maybe three more times. So looking at it in that perspective, is that is that helpful? Or is that even more depressing? Or like, how do you how do you view that? I, I guess, you know, I think when I first started, obviously, in the business some 30 plus years ago, I didn't think like that. You know, I, re I really didn't start thinking about the business aspect of it until I became an outside salesman and was on full commission and realized that the peaks and valleys were probably more so as an outside salesman month to month than year to year. Yeah. It would really go project to project. So as a manager, though, you know, like I said, we talked about it the last time, you know, within the first two years as a manager, we hit 2008, 2009. So, you know, for me, it was right out of the gate. I didn't have six, seven years of management under my belt built up. Um, so it, it was definitely more of a, oh, oh what are we going to do here? You know, how am I going to how am I going to get through this versus how do I plan for it? Um, you know, with this situation, I think it was a little different. I've actually, you know, obviously have more time under my belt. It's not a recession as, as it were, but, um, I think my decision-making process was a lot more, you know, thought out and, um, have several different plans to work through, you know, depending on where we're at. So, um, and we, you know, we talked about that and I worked with my division manager and obviously within the company to make sure the decisions that I'm making are, are going to be prudent and, and you know obviously help the business so yeah it's been you know so april's been a tough month in that regards but um you know i think that's what we do as managers we have to we have to sometimes make those tough decisions and for the better of the whole company and the better of the profit center so it's a it's a struggle and i've been um one thing i've been doing is just reaching out to people and just picking up the phone and calling them or or, or setting up times to talk to people and just kind of you know, as managers, we kind of feel like we're on an island sometimes. And yeah, you can, your division manager, you can call him and talk to him. But like sometimes peer to peer, it's just that it's a different relationship. It's um, more of like a friend to friend versus like, I better be careful what I say to my boss, you know, kind of a thing. Um, yeah. So just being available to people, I think is really important at these, t these times, like hearing what they're going through and, and um, practicing some empathy of like, regardless of what your situation is, like try to put yourself in a situation that they're in and, um, 
you know, maybe they are making huge drastic changes to their employees and their staff or their business in general. And, uh, I mean, that's, that's really hard. I think people need to be able to talk about it and, uh, th maybe it's not something that they want to talk about. Nobody ever wants to go through it, but it, like if they can share that experience or learn from what, something that you're doing or something that, that we're doing in Vero or, or just really just kind of like vent sometimes is important too, you know? Yeah. I, I'm lucky. I do have a couple of the managers. I obviously yourself and other managers I talk to, but I also have some friends out, outside of our industry um, in very similar positions where they're either running a business or, you know, are entrepreneurs or have their own business. And so having those conversations with them is also very nice to be able to, you know, bounce ideas and just bounce, you know, like you say, vent about the situation to other people who are similar in similar situations. So, um, you know, my daughter, she, she worked for a local restaurant and, you know, and I think that industry has probably been hit the hardest out of any industry is just like, it just got shut down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so it's, it's, you know, uh, it's going to be interesting to see the landscape change with who's actually in business at the end of May, beginning of June um, and who can survive this. So, um, you know, I know we'll be here, but I, I can see a lot of small business in Santa Barbara not being here in, in three weeks. Yeah, it's the it's it's going to be really tough for small businesses, for um, for localized restaurants, for really any any business that doesn't have deep pockets or wasn't financially stable, um, or isn't isn't some for whatever reason not going to fit in the box of the of the CARES Act and SBA loans right. and things like that. I mean, they're just. I heard that you had to be an established business for 16 months just to be able to apply, and it's like, how is that fair? Like, you just started out, you need the support more than ever. Um, yeah. maybe you've been 15 months as a new restaurant and you were just getting your groove and then this happened and now you're like, you're, you're going takeout only. And maybe that doesn't work well for your business or your demographics. Um, yeah. I, I think it's just, a, it's just a, a difficult time and we all have to learn to pivot and react much faster than ever before. Like the iterations of, of like, okay, that wasn't working. Let's try something else. It's going to happen so fast at this time. But th that also means that we're going to come out of this so much stronger with a lot of opportunities to just like the last recession, like so much growth and new, new industries, new companies emerged out of that. And, um, it's, it's going to happen again. This is when I, I have to believe that, right. I mean, a year, year or two from now. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I can already see just in our business, the way we operate, um, you know, with a reduced staff, we've had to make some changes, obviously people not coming into the building, doing the curbside service, um, we had already implemented some of those things with, you know, getting our customers to try to get a hold of us before they actually get to the office. Yeah. So we've been able to, you know, I'm looking at how, what things am I going to keep in place that we're doing today that I want to keep in place in three months, you know, because they're working for us. They're working for the customer and we were kind of forced into it because of the situation. And that it's like, we like this process. We're going to keep it. How do we keep it, you know, and make make sure we continue to, to utilize it and, and better our business because of it? There's a lot of, like I say, there's a lot of opportunities right now to say, how can we make our better a better business for ourselves in three months, you know, and a better experience for our customer? Um, so that that's kind of the things I'm really looking forward to and working on. Is you know, what am I going to keep? What's not working for us? What wasn't working for us that I can now change because I have the time. You know, I have the opportunity to say we're not, you know, going mock two with our hair on fire. <laughs> so I can slow down a little bit, look at the business and really assess, you know, what changes we can make and make those changes in a situation where we're, we're just not, you know, going, you know, redline all day. So, um, you know, really drive in some of those things. So, yeah, we've got some work to do, but I think it's going to be you know, good work for us. I don't know about you guys, but um, anything you guys are doing now that you think you're going to keep yeah. continuing doing? So, um we we sent out an email recently saying that uh, you know I think every business has addressed this in some way to their customers and their their vendors and stuff. But uh, we sent out one that just said you know we're open, we're considered an essential business because our customers are essential, and that's that's why we made the shirts. It's not for CED employees. It's really to give them to customers because most of my shirts after you know within the last three or four years are all geared towards the customer because they're the heroes of our entire business. If they don't wake up and go to work. We don't get to service them. We don't get to make money. We're not going to be able to get up and go to the same job. So they're the heroes of the entire industry of, of electrical supply is the people that actually buy the material, um, you know, make your customer the hero. 
make everything that you put out for them um, and then idolize them. So our last shirt was like the king of trades and now we have the essential shirts. That's not about electrical supply. It's about the customers that are actually putting this stuff in. Um, But anyways, um, with that email, we said there's five ways to do it. You can walk in and order stuff at the counter just like you always have. We have masks and gloves and sanitized, you know, four times a day or something like something crazy like that. Um, you can you can do it the way you've always done it. You can we have free deliveries. We have two trucks. We double down on our deliveries. Uh, we will wow. ship things UPS for free to you within reason. Like just call us and ask, or we'll get it to you if you want to just wait a day and we'll get it shipped to you UPS. Um, you can do curbside pickup with our tent and just call ahead like most places are doing. And we have the lockers out back for a completely contactless experience. We, if it's small enough to fit in our lockers, we'll put it back there. We use gloves to put the lock on. We sanitize the locks after everything. It's your personal combination. Uh, it changes every time. And uh, those are the five ways you can do it from us. Um, with the shipping, you can also direct ship special order stuff right to you so for free. So... Um, and then at that point, we just said, you, you know, Mr. Customer, you choose what you're comfortable with. You choose your level of comfort, um, just like you would when you go to the grocery store or uh, hardware store. Masks aren't required here, but you sometimes you see people wearing nothing. And they're the ones that are looked at the same way three months ago. Somebody wearing a mask and gloves would have been looked at now. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing here without the PPE? Whereas a couple months ago, you were the crazy person at the store wearing a mask and gloves. So. Yeah. You're, you're actually letting customers still come into your building. Yeah, we never st- we never stopped. Um, we just what we did is we uh, looked at it as a like we need to take care of ourselves and provide the stuff for the customers to be in a safe environment. And uh, so we just quadrupled down on our cleaning and um, you know hand sanitizing and and all that stuff. And um, yeah, like I wear a mask every day. I wear uh, at least a, like a what they call like a fishing buff. Like a, if people aren't familiar, it's like a half mask kind of thing. And then I just got in those clear plastic covers for your face that like face shields that healthcare workers wear. So now I wear both. Uh, looks like I'm about to do some crazy science experiment every day. Um, right. Try to wear gloves. Like when there's a rush at the counter, I'll put gloves on just for that experience and then take them off sanitize everything uh we have hand sanitizers like literally everywhere throughout the office you automatic put your hand under um yeah i mean work from home when i can this is actually the first day that i've worked from home so yeah yeah i mean business as usual really it's just not as not as crazy busy as it used to be you know like i said no one's basically coming into the building except for staff um and when we were looking at doing that, it was like, well, our lobby and our office space is so small and, you know, you couldn't put, you know, three people in my office and not have them basically sitting on top of each other. Yeah. So, you know, we did some remote working with some people. We moved people upstairs. So everybody has a good space. But as you know, with customers, like they like to be in your personal space when they're talking to you. Yes. So in order to curb that, we basically were like, you know, we're just not having people come into the building. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when I think about it, it's like 95% of the material that they want, we pull. So there's really no need for them to come into the building since we're already pulling everything they want. And like a Home Depot or a Lowe's where you're shopping for yourself, yeah. you have to walk miles and pick your own stuff. You know, we're, we're doing all that for the customer. So at the end of the day, you know, I think a lot of our customers are enjoying the experience where they just pull up in their truck and the box gets thrown in the back and they're gone. Yeah. You know, they're like, literally like, we need to continue to do this. And, you know, a year and a half ago, two years ago, when we started the text to order thing, it was like, that was my goal was like, you text it to us, we'll have it ready. You just have to drive through the parking lot, you know? And I don't think that concept really hit until it was forced upon them. And now they love it. Yeah. And the the text to order thing has been huge because that's something that it would be really hard to roll out right now because it's a lot of like, Hey, here's how it works. And you know, here, Mr. Customer, make sure when I send you this text right now, you add it in your phone and I watch you do it at the counter. But we, we took that advice from you and did that uh, a year ago because of my renewals up next month. So 11 months ago, and it's like been a game changer for our business and um, customers use it. And I, I, I promise you, we get we get orders that other people don't just because they can text it to us and they can't text it to our competition. And they tell us, hey, I'll be there in half an hour. Can you bring it out front? Or like we have the tent outside and we have tables out there. 
So if the customer says they'll be there at 8.30, at 8.25, we put it out there with the ticket and everything. And, um, you know, then they're on camera and everything. So there's no issue with, like, people signing it. And, and right. we don't have so those kind have, of customers anyways. We got a big tent, too. You know, pretty low. I think it's probably 40 by 10 or 20 or something. It's a big one. It fits the whole front of the building, basically. Oh, wow. And we have tables out there. We usually have at least one staff out there. Because people still come up, we still—I mean, our still our number one customer still is cash sales. Wow! So I actually added three additional credit card machines, and I have them positioned in the on the counter at each location. And so basically, the guy takes you know wipes down the credit card, brings it in, does the whole transaction right there at the time he's typing it, and then you know gives it back. Because we had one credit card machine, and it was like waiting for the credit card machine was the biggest thing. And I'm like, well, this is ridiculous. Let's just get another one. So I got now I had two. And I'm like, we still need another one. So we ended up having three on the counter plus one at the reception's desk, you know. So it's like now we have five in total. Wow. And there are times, even, even though we're not super busy because everybody's getting small trinkets, there are times during the day where every single credit card machine is being used at the same time. Well, <laughs> and like, we don't have any redundancy in our building, so that's a great idea. I'm going to write that down because we, we literally have the one at the counter, and if that ever went down for any reason, we'd just be – I don't know. Maybe there's like a website you can log in and do it. I think maybe there's a website you can do. You can you can process payments through. I would highly suggest no at this point. Yeah, <laughs> I've had a couple customers. I don't know how it happened that they actually placed web orders. They're COD customers, and so they have access to their invoices and stuff and what they bought in the past. But they actually placed orders on our website and paid for them. And the ticket would come through, and I'm like, well, where's the reconciliation for this? How do I find so, you yeah. know, it's been about a week and a half and finally the credit department goes, oh, we figured out where these are at and they're working on it so that you get that reconciliation at the time. But right now, yeah, you know, I've got probably 20 tickets out there that I can't reconcile because I haven't got the information on the credit card side to go with it. So at this point, turn that switch off. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but I think that's, you know, another way that we're going to be able to service the customer in a month or two is they can just use the portal and pay for it right there. And then you can deliver it or ship ship at UPS or whatever it is. But yeah, I think the main thing, the main takeaway for anybody listening is just like, be creative, listen to your customers, find out what their comfort level is like, and, and just be, be open and available. Like the best ability is availability. So if you're available at the counter, that's great. If you're available for curbside pickup, that's great. If you're available for deliveries, Amazing. Like if you don't, if you're not available, then customers can't get a hold of you. They can't get what they want from you. Uh, you got to be creative and find ways to get to them. And you know, one of the things I've been telling my team is like uh, going back to the double down on positive habits thing is like, you can't pour from an empty cup, you know, put your oxygen mask on first, whatever metaphor you need to use here for yourself to remember it. It's like, just make sure that you're taking care of the things you need to take care of at home so that when you're at work, you can be fully present, engaged, healthy, um, you know, and this, this applies all the time, but it definitely applies now when there's a health pandemic going on, um, because nobody expected it to be a health crisis that caused the economy crashing. I mean, that's we're dealing with we're dealing with two issues here. We're dealing with a slowdown in business, but also like a concern for our literal survival of of family, employees, customers, vendors. Um, how are you guys dealing with that? Like, how are you, how's how's everybody like mo- emotionally and mentally dealing with that over there is it stressful or um i think you know for the most part the the staff is doing the team is doing well um i think they enjoy coming to work and having some personal interaction with people even though we're trying to solve it and still distance and stuff you know so it's it's you know i think that's a reprieve for them for the most part um it's just interesting it's like you know we, we our office is literally right on the beach basically and when i go out for a walk during the day during my, my little lunch break it's amazing to me you know, how many more people I see out and about than I did before all this took place. Really? Oh yeah. It is like, you know, everybody's kind of being distancing, but it's like, you know, the path that I walk on, you, you know, you see, you know, maybe a dozen people and now it's just like, well, no one's working. They all have to get out and exercise. Why not just go to the beach? (laughs) You know? So it's like, it's pretty interesting to see all the people out and about that normally you wouldn't see in the middle of the day on a Wednesday, Yeah. you know, because they'd be at work. Um, you know, or doing something, something other than sitting at the beach on a Wednesday afternoon. <laughs> so that's been kind of interesting to see. And, and, you know, I think the staff mentally 
I think they just like coming to work and getting something done. They feel productive. And and the people that aren't like, you know, my, my daughter who doesn't get to work right now, she feels very non-productive. She feels like she's doing her online schoolwork and, and you know, she, she's not, she's not seeing her boyfriend. She's got all these things going on that she used to do that she can't do now. And work was one of those things that she really enjoyed doing. And she doesn't need to do that now. So, you know, and she's kind of stuck in a house, you know, so I kind of get to go to work. My wife says, you get to go to work, you know, <laughs> um, and I get to have that interaction. I get to feel productive. And so I think the people who aren't working right now, who are stuck at home, finding something that makes you feel productive is key. Like you say, feeling positive, but also just makes you feel like, you know, this, this felt good today to accomplish that, whatever that was, you know, um, like if you ever thought you wanted to write a book, maybe now's a good time to start writing that book. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, you're hitting on a subject that I, I try to talk about with my team and certainly people close to me and the, and the, the trainees and the new managers that I, I talk to on a regular basis. It's like progress equals happiness. Like if you want to be happy, you have to be working towards something that is better than what you are now. No, no matter what stage of life you're at and no matter what economic climate it is, it's like, okay, maybe we're not going to knock it out of the park with profit sharing or profitability this year, but what else can I make progress in in my life? Whether it's painting or cooking or, you know, d deeper connections with your family or writing a book or, man, I never had time to call on that customer, but now I have like all the time in the world. Like what's stopping me from picking up the phone and making progress with that customer? Because that's the only thing that I found in my life that makes like, that truly moves the needle as far as like contentment when you're laying in bed at night trying to fall asleep. It's like, I had a good day today because I went from zero to 0 0.5. And I'm not quite at one yet. And tomorrow I'm going to go from 0.5 to 0.6. Um, yeah. And I, th I, th I think it's just such an important point, especially now when, when mental health is just as important as physical health and yeah. may maybe even more so. Yeah. And again, you know, everybody's affected a little differently, but in a situation like this, I think all of us to some degree, you know, need that little extra, like what's going to make me feel productive. Um, and then it could be cleaning out your closet, you know, like you say, it could be, it could be just anything that just makes you feel like you got something done and bettered yourself, whatever it was. And so I try to separate the two things and try to figure out ways to better the business so that, you know, in a year from now, we're better, we're better than we are today or where we were last year. And I also try to do the same thing in my personal life. It's like, what's going to make me better today than I was yesterday, you know? And, um, you know, so my wife, you know, she's doing this planking challenge where they add 30 seconds every day to a plank, Nice, you know? And so it's like, awesome. she's getting to the point where it's like, this is a long time in a play. Yeah. <laughs> What's she up to? Do you, do you know what minute she's up to? I think they're up to three minutes. Oh, wow. Now. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, yeah. So I think they're starting to add less. It started out like 30 seconds, 45, whatever it is now. But now like, okay, we're going to go three minutes and five seconds. We're not going to go three minutes. You know, they're going to take smaller chunks as they move forward. But it's just something that she does with her friends. You know, they they all post on his social media that they did it and part of her gym and whatever they're doing. So it's for her. She feels like I accomplished Even if it's a small three minute plank, that's an accomplishment that she feels good about. And I'm glad she, she feels great about it. So, yeah, it's um, I've, I've been working at working out of my house for the last uh, geez, like six years now. And I just recently moved. I moved uh, April 5th, right after inventory. So like right in the middle yeah. of all this craziness. And I was like, we had to move. We had to get out. We had to move into this place. And uh, like you said, it was a great time to like clean out certain things because we just had more time on the weekends. We weren't going out. We didn't have friends coming over. So we would just attack a room or a corner or whatever. Um, but I think now like I had to get some new equipment for the for my new setup here and it's almost impossible to find gym equipment online because everyone is trying to be more productive and, and work out at home and they're trying to be more creative and uh, like the outdoors is probably the best gym ever like just being able to run outdoors or get on a bike and run or or swim in the ocean or whatever it is that's available to you is uh, is, is certainly huge and you know I sent I've sent you a couple of sunrise pictures I, I run down to the beach here in the morning um, or drive there on the way to work, depending on the timing. Um, and it, I was just telling my, my, my mom was like, you need to put this in like a photo album, whatever. And, and she goes, she was like, but why are you doing this? And I was like, well, like, it, it's a reminder to me, like I sit there for five or 10 minutes before my day starts and like the craziness begins. And it's just a reminder, like no matter what I think is going on in the world, no matter what craziness and, and happenstance and all the all the negative news and all that like that sun's gonna rise in the morning and it's gonna set tonight and whether i'm a part of it or not whether i'm here to witness it or not or 
whether I believe it will or not, like none of that really matters. Like it's going to happen either way. And what I do today is just, it's important, but it's really not that important. And that means what also what I don't do today isn't all that important either. So, um, finding, finding ways to connect with individuals and, and make them feel better about the situation is probably more important now than ever is, is what I take away from that and like, go start my yeah. day on a positive note. Yeah. That's a good way to do it. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're lucky we get to see that and see those sunrises and sunsets, especially over the ocean. So, yeah. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. I, I haven't never done this so consecutively before. It was like, I used to wake up and do it on a weekend or whatever, but now it's like, I make it my route to work as part of this to sit there and just space out for five or 10 minutes. And, uh, I think it's, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, if we look back a year from now and we didn't do anything, we didn't get better at anything. We didn't take advantage of this time in any way. I think that's going to cause a lot of mental angst and regret. And cause it, you have to look at it as an opportunity. If you only look at it as like a terrible situation, then that's just, a, to me, that's just a waste. Like, like I'm, I, it's a, it's a terrible human crisis and an economic crisis, which leads to even more human crisis. Uh, but like the only way to look at it is, is what can be brought out of it. Not, not from like a economic game, but like from a personal spiritual game, like how can you right. come out of this better? Um, yeah, just adapting. And like you say, I think a year from now, you know, we'll be able to reflect back and you'll be able to really tell those people that, you know, look for those opportunities during this time, those that didn't, um, it's going to be pretty easy to find, find the difference in those people where they're at, whether it's personal or business, you know, you're going to definitely be able to tell that, Oh, that person took that opportunity during that time to, you know, better themselves, figure something else out, you know, pivot, whatever they had to do, they struggled, they figured it out, but you know, a year later, look where they're at, um, you know, versus the other guy who, or the other person who may not have done that, you're going to be like, well, they're still talking about how it affected them. Yeah, they're going to year from now. They're going to still be complaining that oh, we have to stay inside, and everybody else has already moved on. <laughs> you yeah, know? And, and I know I've got some of those people in my life that are going to be a year from now. They're going to be complaining about this time in their lives and how terrible it was, and how it kept them from doing certain things they wanted to do, versus just figuring out, like you say, just figuring out a way to do it. Um, and if it's not doing it today, then figuring out a way you can do it when all this is lifted. You know. I mean, there's still people talking about the last 2008 recession, you know, and that's uh, and how it's affected them and stuff. And it's like, OK, I get it. But like, what have you done in the last eight or nine years that or 10 years? Sorry, Sophie, that, that has, has made your life markedly better than it was um, before that ever happened. Tony Robbins always says you have to take the worst thing that ever happened to you and turn it into the best thing. Like, what did that lead you to? What did that what did that force you to become or or force you to? re-examine your life and reprioritize but did you have any advice for trainees um i was speaking to somebody um recently and they said that like some crazy amount of people in our industry right now especially at, at management level or in small organizations uh, new managers had never even considered working in this industry when 2008 happened so they have no idea about recessions or anything like that do you have any advice for them on uh what to do what to focus on and how to come out of this stronger I would say, you know, for especially, you know, anybody new in our industry, um, it's just, again, you know, try to find that silver lining. Um, it's a good time to really solidify those relationships because you're not going to be talking about business as much as you are going to be talking about how people are doing. So that customer that you want, like you said, you know, you want to call that customer, you're not calling that customer up saying, hey, what business do you have for me right now? You're calling that customer and saying, hey, how are you doing through this? You How's know? your family? Yeah. How's your family? What can we do to help outside of supplying you material? You know, um, I know a lot of organizations that are doing that. They're, they're, you know, some of their, some people, their staff is being either furloughed or whatever it may be, but then they're going to go work at a, you know, food bank or whatever it is. They're, they're, you know, getting those opportunities to, like you say, better themselves. So, I think finding that silver lining in the situation and, you know, not be like chicken, the sky is falling all the time, but like, okay, the sky is falling, but you know, where can I poke my head through and, you know, find the sun. So I think that's what they just have to do. Um, and just plan a little bit, you know, sit down and really come up with a game plan for when the business comes back, a doomsday plan. I think we talked about that, you know, it's like have three, three plans available to, you, you know, a great plan, a plan that's kind of like there's a recession and a doomsday plan. What's, what, what happens if it gets worse? You know, yeah. what do you what do you do if it gets worse than I, it is now? No one wants that to happen, but 
have a doomsday plan, man. Have a zombie plan with this. Zombies. <laughs> zombies I think, yeah, we talked about like what happens if the business goes down 10%, I think 25% and 50% were the columns yeah. I wrote, I remember writing down from that conversation. Um, yeah. and, and I think that's really smart is so that you already have a, like a pre-meditated idea of what you want your business to look like at those numbers. And, and don't just think about it hypothetically. Like I, I just did this with my trainees the other day as, as an exercise. Um, we're not there yet in Vero. We're, we're, we're not, I don't think we'll get there, um, to the, certainly the 50% or 25%, but, um, we pulled up, uh, the forecast package and used the, um, the, what's up? Is it the 1069 form where you fill everything out and yeah, so I used January and I put our, our, our year to date, our 12 month average in January. And then I used February as like, a, okay, this is the minus 10. And then March was this is the minus 25 and and oh. looked at it that way. Um, and just it allows you to look at your fixed expenses and your 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 uh, variable expenses and figure out like, okay, well, I can't really change rent. And even if I could, it's it's $4,000 a month. It's not not how much could I marketably change that and um, or negotiate that down and versus things like salary or sales expense or um, right. credit card fees, things like that. Yeah. Um, things that you may be able to influence a little bit more. And uh, I mean, just looking at the real numbers, sometimes your your 25% plan on paper, when you start putting it in there, it's like, it's either not enough or it's way too much or um, to, I think a lot of people talk about like, oh, here's the number you need to reduce it by, but they don't ever actually do the math on how it's going to impact their business. Um, so I think I think that's a really easy tool if you take the time to do it. It's it's just a lot of copying and pasting and reading off the 12 month average of your P and L, um, and and seeing how if you influence these factors how it how it shakes out. Yeah, because we do have. So go ahead. Sorry. Times, you know, like you say, planning for the 50 percent. You know, when you're when your business is going well, it makes it easier to execute when you're not. You know, it's because you you made the you've kind of already pre-made that decision, like you said. You've already kind of laid out the groundwork. You don't have to think about it in that stressful moment. Oh my gosh, my business is off fifty percent. Now what do I do? You've already got a plan in place. Now you just have to execute it and maybe tweak it a little bit based on what's going on. But probably eighty percent of that plan is going to be viable, and you've already made those decisions in your head, and you just have to execute them now. So makes it a lot easier and the amazing amazing thing is that some businesses went to zero you know um some businesses literally have no income coming in and i think it's no one's ever forecasted for what happens if we have zero income and all these expenses uh so if we're looking at 50 percent reduction as like a worst case scenario you're still better off than like a cruise line or a movie theater right now like amc is at zero revenue um yeah. yeah, and and thirty three million a month in expenses, and they're at zero, literally zero revenue. So, yeah. um, how do you? Nobody ever forecasts for that. Like people may never yeah. go back to movie theaters. You know, it's a, it's a total shift in the culture. Um, yeah. Whereas electrical supplies and construction, I got a good feeling that those are going to be around for a while, and that uh, <laughs> they're only going to get more expensive, uh, which means we can make more margin on it. You know, in the future. We'll, we'll see, you know, we'll, we'll see when it would happen. But yeah, I don't think the construction industry is going anywhere anytime soon. It's just going to look different. You know, how we operate is going to be a little different. And it's going to vary from region to region. Um, this business has never been one one way for any company. You know, it's like everybody does it a little differently. Everybody's got different customers. Um, that's the beauty of CD. We all have to do it a little differently. Uh, you know, the end goal is still the same. So, you know, be profitable and, you know, create a good business for you and your customers. But, I do it differently than you do it, and that's okay. You know, I have a different plan for when my fifty percent hits, or or I get a fifty percent growth from business. I have a different plan, so yeah. I think that allows us the flexibility of a PC manager in this company. You really have that much freedom, and uh, it's nice. But and one of the things you talked about is uh, even though it's it's not a great situation, even though we obviously wish things were different and things were just booming like always, it's okay to be positive. It's okay to to be optimistic, even when things aren't going a hundred percent well, like, especially in our role, everybody's looking at us as managers to, to, to dictate their own pace, to dictate their own moods sometimes and emotions. And, um, I don't think people should put so much emphasis on outward things to how they feel internally, but that's, 
that's human nature. They just do. They look to their their leaders, and uh, we look to leaders in our government and our organizations to like how should we react based on how their the politicians are reacting on TV? Are they wearing masks? Or are they panicking? Um, can you see the fear in their eyes through the in the in the slight slits that you can see of their face, uh, or are they just like, oh no, we're gonna be fine. It's gonna be great. Um, you got to find that balance and, and do what's best for you and the people around you as well. And just remain positive and motivated, but you know, it's okay to say like, this sucks right now too. You know, and I think that's a, that's a point that I don't want to not say. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, again, we'll, we'll get through it. So one way or another, um, yeah. that like they say, do you say the sun will come up tomorrow somewhere <laughs> you oh. get to see the sunrise and be happy. I'll prove it to you. Uh, yeah. I'll take a picture of it and send it to you. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, the last quote I want to leave with, because yeah. I, I live my life by quotes. Like I, I really like embody them and, and take them for to heart. But uh, if you're gonna if you're going through hell, keep going. Like don't don't stop there. Don't get into yourself in a shitty situation and just say, well, this is it. I'm gonna stop right here. This is my life now. Like keep going. Like just yeah. put one foot in front of the other and and move forward. Yeah. Um, I, I had a quote I had sent to Josh and, I, and it was actually something my dad had told me years ago. And um, when, I, when we were sailing, and you know, basically it was a time when I was probably eight or nine, I was sailing seashells, you know, little boats. Right. And, and it's like, it was a really windy day and, you know, it was, I capsized several times and, you know, my dad was always like, it doesn't matter the condition of the ocean. It's like, I know how to sail. So I know how to navigate these waters. So, you know, having that basic technology or that basic, you know, fundamental in yourself, if you know how to do something, then it doesn't matter what the environment's like, you're going to figure out a way to navigate that water. So right now, yeah, the waters are a little choppy. It's not the best, but I know how to sail. I know how to navigate this to a degree to where I'm going to come out the other end. So I think that's kind of one of those things where I looked, you know, you know, our fathers sometimes have some pretty good quotes, but knowing how to navigate, knowing how to sail right now is is a good thing. And knowing how to swim if you fall out. (laughs) Knowing how to swim. The last time, the last place you want to learn how to swim is when you're drowning. So (laughs) that's right. That's right. First. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Dan, I I appreciate your time, man. Thank you for getting on so early. And uh, I know you guys are just getting started over there. Uh, I can see yeah. the, I can see people moving in the background on the window, and uh, yeah. it looks my like my staff starting to show up at six o'clock. So we've got a couple orders to get pulled and start start our day. <laughs> That's a beautiful thing. I'll leave you guys with this: uh, every single order you get, every customer interaction you get, just like restaurants, if you go pick up takeout, they're extremely grateful. Just tell the customer, hey, thanks for coming in. Like, thanks for like literally risking your life to do what you're doing, so that I can still come here and, and earn a living for my family, and just yeah. just. Be grateful that they're even here and you have orders to pull. I mean, that's just like the main takeaway from this whole thing is just be grateful. So thanks again, Mike. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate it. Have a great day.